Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Wayne Shepard asked the question, what if your kids' friends are bad news? Let's listen in for Mark Gregston's answer. What if your teen's friends are bad news? Which is a question that every parent asks all the time. I mean, because the tendency is let's protect our kids, and yeah. of course we want to do that. Tell me about your friends. Yeah, but here's <laughs> the problem. You know, and we've heard this said many times. If you swim with sharks, you're going to get bit. One bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> well, you I got mean, a million of them, don't well, you? They were drilled into my head because my mom was trying to make sure I didn't hang around these certain people. But, you know, without a doubt, this is what a guy named Napoleon Hill said. He's a He was a good self-help guru man of the early 1900s, but he was also a con man. But I, I mention him because he made a comment. He said, without a doubt, the most common weakness of all human beings is the habit of leaving their minds open to the negative in influence of other people. Oh boy. Well, of course we're concerned about that, but as we start to release our child into adolescence, they are going to hear things and be around things, and you can take it as an opportunity to engage your child differently and help them prepare for the world they're going to live in, or you can protect them from it and cause a disaster. Mark, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on this because you live with 60 <laughs> bad kids, bad don't you? Bad kids, yeah. <laughs> People would think they're all bad kids, and it's interesting. I've lived with 3,000 of those bad kids. I mean, they can't function in school. They're spinning out of control. They're making poor choices. I mean, these are the kids that other parents say, I don't want my child hanging around them. It's, mm-hmm. They're going to have a negative influence on them. But here's the thing. It's the same people that you listen to and have been listening to on our radio program for a long time. All the teens that you've talked That's to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. These are kids who are struggling. They're not bad kids. They're just struggling through some things. And so what we do is try to engage them differently. But if I looked at them and said they're bad, I go... I would be ruining the opportunity that I have to to be in mission to them. Boy, and, that's and, so important. And that at the end of this, I'm going to encourage parents and say, look, look, do this. God has placed those bad kids in the life of your child for a reason. And perhaps you're the reason because you can have an influence on them as well. But you can understand a parent's concern. Well, absolutely. Your teen's attracted to these influences, though, for a reason. It may be curiosity or it may be a response to your tight control. It may be because it's just the forbidden fruit, you know, and, and that's it. But but these bad friends or bad kids are an expression in one sense of your teen. So the tendency is to point your finger somewhere else. And when it may be your child that's struggling, so it's easier to say that that child is affecting my child. Well, I guarantee you the, the parents of that child are saying that your child's affecting them. Really? So it's an equal playing ground. And and I think what, what we've got to understand and help, we need to take a look at how we've trained our children mm-hmm. and, and say, okay, how are they going to do up against something that is contrary to what we want for them? And that's part of this exposure. This It's part of an opportunity to, to train them, to move them from a teaching model to a training model. And so one of the perils of overprotection of our kids, I, I that's where I always start. At some point, you've got to quit protecting them all the time and start preparing them. So one of those is that God has called you to protect your kids. Absolutely, sure. But overprotection can postpone, delay, or even prevent 
the training for your child's needs. You can't and spare them everything their whole life, can that's, you? That's right. I know that my child will be exposed to everything when they go to college, when they get a job after they graduate from high school, when they go into the military, when whatever they do, they will be exposed to everything. And so one of my roles as a, as a parent is saying, then how do I prepare them for that world that they're going to live in? Overprotection is an unwillingness to allow anything to happen that might cause discomfort, pain, or hurt. And let me assure you this, their world is full of discomfort, (laughs) pain, and hurt, and I've got to prepare them for that. Because most of the time, I I think overprotection is fear-based. That's what's driving it? That's right, because I think they're going to make a bad decision. Well, let me assure you, your kids (laughs) are going to make a bad decision at some point in their life. (laughs) And I would rather be there with them while they're making those bad decisions to speak truth into their life than I would be to keep them from those opportunities to make decisions. And so it's I, I can't tell you what overprotection looks like in your family, but, but just know that there's a part of it where if your child is not functioning well, it may be, I hate saying this, it may be because we haven't prepared yeah, them. It's a possibility. That's right. You have to have to do some self-analysis there. That's right. Well, what should we do once we've dealt with that question? Well, I think part of this is exposure. And I've said this before. I like I don't believe in antibacterial soap. You know, I just I'm just one of those guys that go, I I just don't care about being exposed to things. Because I, overuse of it makes you immune to it. That's right. right that's right. And, and so there's a part of me that I go, I, I don't care. And, and most people have like a 10-second a rule when they drop food on the ground. <laughs> I don't. Mine's like an hour and a half. You know. And so I just go, dirt doesn't bother me. Exposure doesn't bother me. If, if, moms and dads, if you have the opportunity to help a child learn from that exposure to get to another place. Parents are supposed to protect their children, but not to the point that they're prevented from receiving some necessary exposure and experiences that will help train them to be able to handle and make good choices in the upcoming world that they're going to live in. And this is the whole thing. It, the whole thing is training them to handle these issues on their own. Well, that's what I want. And, uh, you know, I, I really don't want some clown on a couch at age 25 playing video games stuck in my home because they can't function in the world. One of my jobs as a parent is to make sure that they can function, which means that all the challenges that they're going to face, I want to be a part of that and help them. And that's where it's training more than anything else. All right. What does this training look like? Well, you know, Scripture encourages us to train our kids. I mean, and having a plan is important. But what it means is I'm going to quit teaching all the time, and I'm going to say, how do I let them make decisions? How do I give them more responsibility? The byproduct of the acceptance of responsibility is maturity. And so I want to start letting them they choose things, make decisions. I want to give them more freedom. I want them to become more independent, which means I quit doing things for them all the time. I quit giving them more money as they get older. I give them less so they learn what the world's about. I I ask them to get a job. I, I tell them that you need to go out there and do things. Now, and, and here's the thing. When they go do things, your child goes and works at a restaurant, they're going to find out things about this world that you wish they never knew. That's called exposure. That's right. But there's something healthy about that because it's a controlled environment. So I, I'm just one of those guys that goes, we need to immerse our kids so we can prepare them. If you're a parent of a teen, you know that today's teenagers live in a different world than the one you were raised in. That means your style of parenting needs to be very different too. 
Too many parents parent their teens with principles that come across as authoritarian or judgmental, and such styles just aren't effective anymore. There is a better way, one that helps parents and their teens thrive together in today's culture. In the nine-week video course, Tough Guys and Drama Queens, Mark Gregston will give you a new vision of the sort of role they could play in the life of their teens and help them understand the world through the eyes of their children. This course comes with a facilitator's book, a copy of Mark's Tough Guys and Drama Queens book, and a participant's guide. There's even questions at the end of each lesson to help provoke discussion in case you want to go through the course with your friends, neighbors, or church group. You can order the Tough Guys and Drama Queens curriculum series by visiting ParentingTeenResources.com. All right, so we've dealt with the parental part of the equation. What if this uh, teen friend is a bad influence? <laughs> yeah, what if they really are yeah, bad? Yeah, what do we do then? Well, you know, it, it, it's different. At age 13, get your child away from them as soon as possible. I mean, you need to control the exposure. You know, I mean, I've had my granddaughter come up to me and ask me a question about something that, that I never knew the word existed until 10 years after I was married. <laughs> and here she is in, like, third grade, and I'm going— okay, I, you don't need to be around those kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, because they're exposing too much. But I take the opportunity. I know at 16, I make sure there's external controls in place around those areas where your teen is not using his own internal controls. And I want to have discussions about those things. And then at age 18, sadly, there's not a whole lot you can do to limit involvement with some of these friends. It's their choice. It's their time. Yeah, it's hopefully when, by then they know and have been trained by you to make good decisions. Well, that's right. And so if a parent say, my child's 18 and hang around bad influence, you, you know what? There's not a whole lot you can do because your child's an adult. They can, they can make those choices. At 16, you can control it a little bit. At 13, you have to totally control it. But somewhere you go, you know what? I, hopefully the, the impact I've had on their life is helping them make good decisions. And and that is when it begins to point to us a little bit. So that's where I've got to make sure I'm taking care of my business in dealing with my child and not blaming my child for everything. We're talking about if your teen's friends are bad news. Um, parents get involved in this when there's a problem. Yeah. You're saying we should get involved with our teens long before there's a problem. That, that's right. You know, at some point, there there is nothing that you can do. When a child reaches 17 or 18, you're not going to be able to change much in a child's life. It's, it's, it's those times at 13 and 14 years old when you're involved with them. And the tendency that most parents have is that's when they start to let go of things. And I go, let go and, and let your child start doing other things, but engage with them differently and spend time talking or sitting down, going on trips, experiencing things together, provide opportunities to have discussion. Most parents don't spend that time until there is a problem, and then for the most part, it's too late. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, you know, I'm always telling parents that the time that you spend in the life of your child is will will come back to you in some other ways. That just absolutely amazing. It, it's it's once you maintain the relationship and keep it going, then you'll always have that voice in their life to speak to them because they will make decisions that are poor. That they'll make decisions that aren't good. They'll make decisions that kind of surprise you. Call me, and I'll tell you all the ones that my son and daughter have made, you know, and I go, it's, but they make a lot of great decisions in the process. And so if you don't 
keep the relationship, then you focus on the bad rather than focusing on the good. So don't underestimate the power of that relationship. That's right. That's right. And I think the other thing is, that, you know, remember when you blame those bad kids, you're missing your child's heart and why she or he chose to participate in the inappropriate behavior. Instead, get to know the mind and heart of your teen, spend some time together, and get to know the heart of those kids that are hanging out with your child. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org And to learn more about HeartLight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful in your life and family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.